0: MFs, welcome to another episode of Hustle Like You Broke, where we remind you, it might be Groundhog Day outside, but in here, we bring you a fresh new perspective every Tuesday and Thursday. This week is no different. We have the privilege of one of the great musical directors in this world to come to us today, Mr. Adam Blackstone. But before we get to him, just want to remind you, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts, I am Matthew Walt. From Miami, Florida, we have the amazing Christine Dallas. Hello, hello. From Los Angeles, California, audio extraordinaire, Mr. Kyle Hamilton.
1: Top of the evening, how are you?
0: And from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, none other than my good brother Banks.
1: What's going on? What's going on?
0: A Always a pleasure, Banks. It that sounds my like. my beverage. Yeah, you working was, on the morning, morning shots?
1: Our, uh, it's my uh, brevich, my breakfast cocktail here.
0: Getting an early start on the day—that is Teacher what we special. like to see. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to start today by acknowledging we learned earlier, pre-taping that we've been perpetrating a bit of a fraud all this time. I thought Kyle Hamilton was eating his Crunch Berries every day, and it turns <laughs> out. That this motherfucker has been on a diet.
1: <laughs> you got to move in silence.
0: Lost twenty pounds already. We are very proud. Very yeah. proud, motherfucker.
1: Well, you know, you're, you're on a you on the coronation, you get get fat and fluffy or thin and sexy. So when we come out of, we're gonna be in the heart of the summer. I'm gonna be thin and sexy. I
0: <laughs> mean. What else do we got to do but uh, get us get in shape, take care of ourselves, take care of our mind, take care of our body. We talked about mental health issues on this program we've talked about just ways of living better, coming out of this thing stronger. kudos to you there it is so without further ado, let's bring out Mr. Adam Blackstone, one of the great musical directors of this world. Here he is, How coming are to you us from. What? Where is it now? Are you in the Philly area, Adam?
2: Yeah, I'm right outside of Philly. I actually live in Delaware. Um, My my wife is from Baltimore, and I'm from South Jersey, Philadelphia area. So Delaware was the middle point for us, especially when we had our son. So I'm out in Delaware, man, and it's no better place to be, especially right now. I got a little bit of space and a little bit of land during this pandemic. So it's been cool.
0: I'm definitely feeling for people that don't have space, whether they live in New York or wherever they live. If they live in an urban area and they are in an apartment somewhere,
2: yeah,
0: man, I mean to be holed up inside a small apartment, be rough.
2: Praying for everybody out there for sure.
0: So, Adam, let's uh, let's let's take it back to when you were a kid. We understand that you were born Trent, New Jersey you came up your father was a jazz musician
2: yeah my dad my dad uh I I wouldn't even put a genre on it he was you know as we call now in 2020 I would say he was just a a workhorse like wedding band guy you know what I'm saying um but he was a one-man band and you know, in my as I look back, he was my very first inspiration as a as a musical director because he did all his own arrangements because it was just him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, man, he um he from everything from church to bar mitzvahs to birthday parties to to uh you know big time concerts to to balls, you know the mayor's ball, governor's ball, stuff like that. So he he was killing it.
0: Now, Brother Banks can definitely speak to uh, his experience in Houses of Worship. Sounds like there's a commonality there, Banks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Church boy. Well, we like to, we like to uh, chime in about that every once in a while. Sorry, Adam. Uh, but uh, it sounds like you got a little rounded experience, and, and we love to hear about that. And it sounds like he was a little bit of a hustler, which is clearly Absolutely. rubbed off on you. Um, That is obviously what we are all about here. And I do want to say before we get too far into this, because, you know, I really want to hear all about your experience, but we talk about the working class heroes here. And usually we're talking about the crew guys. And I've been having this kind of philosophical conversation in my head about this for the last couple of days about what does that mean, the working class of the concert industry, and 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 it got me thinking in two different ways. First of all, when we think of working class, we think of, in society, we think of working class people, but we don't necessarily think about those working class people who hustle to the point that they thrive, and they really are upper class people, middle class people. I'm just thinking in terms of class consciousness, and and I don't really mean to go too far down this rabbit hole. But my point is... I started thinking where do musicians fit into this too, and somehow I feel like the musicians must fall into that that middle class. Am I right? Is 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 the crew the working class? Is the musician and the band are, is, is the B party kind of the middle class, and then the artist is how How do we define that? Anybody want to chime in and shut me up and tell me what they think about all that?
2: I mean, when you say class, are we talking about? Um out on the road, the class, like A party, B party, C party, or are we, are we talking in, in economic times of our world?
0: Well, that's that's kind of the overlap that I'm getting at here. And again, I'm taking a little latitude and kind of thinking this through and putting it out there, but we refer to our podcast as celebrating the working class heroes in the concert industry. So we are primarily focused on the concert industry, itself but when we talk about those working class heroes you know we get guys like Joey Gallagher Mickey Kirbishley, guys who have started as staging guys and as lighting guys that have worked their way up and busted their ass to do great things that shape the industry you are obviously a hustler but you have come up as a musician and as our first musician I kind of want to see like where does the musician fit into this kind of quote unquote class structure that we are loosely defining and and what does that mean in terms of the way you are perceived in this business and the way you approach what you do
2: oh man I I I think that that's a very tricky question Matt because depending on the camp it could vary you know what I'm saying um and I don't want to call out too many names but like you know I I, I think that I think that um, you know for a majority of the hustle, you know, you are looked at as lower class, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you're looked at as expendable um, until you know you find your niche and I've been able to find my niche um, a lot of times as to where um, the artist or the management or the label, um, feels like they need you, you know what I'm saying? And it doesn't always happen like that. And until that happens, I think that everybody is is expendable, you know what I mean? And, and looked at as replaceable and looked at as, you know, lower working class, just to be honest with you. Um, that's why I wanted to define exactly in the world, you know, what, in, in the world of what we're talking about, what you were talking about, um, and then you have artists like, you know, like a Dave Matthews or, um, you know, I've been blessed to work with Maroon 5 and, you know, they, they, those guys, they treat it like a band, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, you got your own bus, you're on the private plane, stuff like that. But a, a, a lot of artists who we all work for, just to be honest with you, you know, we are working for them. And I'm not saying we're low class mentally or in our mind, but I'm saying like at any time, you know, we hustle because we could be let go or that artist could get pregnant or that artist could want to go in another direction and not have a band and use a DJ or that artist could say switch management. and, And so the management brings in a whole new crew or production manager, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I mean by that. I don't, I don't mean to demean us in any way and say we're lower class, but I do mean that each job, each gig is just not secure. And I feel like all of us on here can attest to that.
0: And that is exactly what I would wish you would say if I had thought about the answer in my own head. Because we represent those that, generally speaking, in this industry do not have a voice. And that is the platform, or don't have much opportunity to use our voice. And that is why we are here and have created this platform and yeah. are trying to bring on the types of people who can really illustrate that and accentuate that and, and help us overcome that and get to that next le- level be it hustling, be it developing new industry standards as we come out of this global pandemic in order to further the cause of the working class people those people that don't have a voice those people who may have formally been looked at as lower class but we yeah, all know I, I even teams.
2: I even think coming out of this developing a new standard you know is is going to hurt some of us like what I'm going to have to choose to, what I'm going to have to choose to do as an md is not going to be good for people for like like Kyle Hamilton who I think is you know one of the best in the world but it's not going to be that many live band shows anymore. You know what I'm saying, right away. So it's like, what do I hire him to go mix? You know what I'm saying. And you so,
1: can hire me to
2: go into the studio and do your live streams. Uh, well, see streams. that all depends too, because if my budget is twenty five hundred or <laughs> for all in, and I'm, <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but it's like. You know, based off of us not having work for a little while, and when I say not having work, I mean in the style of what we are known to do right now. I'm 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 thankful that we all are working in some form or another, but you know, it, it, it just gets it just it, it depends. Every everybody's going to be changing their garb. Uh, It's going to be a changing of the garb and that means economically, that means travel wise and everything. So, you know, like I said, I'm exaggerating, but like, it's not going to be tour season as we know it for a long time.
0: Well, I can only hope that's not true, but I I, I unfortunately think that you're right and uh, and very much on point in what you're saying. So before we get too far down that line of, of discourse, why don't we back it up? Adam, why don't you tell us a little bo- more about your come up, about how, you know, you do what you do, what it is that you do. You know, I'll, I'll prop you up so you don't have to. You've done the you done Grammys, you've done Super Bowls, you've done Kennedy Center honors. I mean, you are the man in this space and, and we appreciate having you here. But tell us a little more about you and then Mr. Motherfucker Kyle Hamilton. Why don't you take it from there? Thank you, gentlemen.
1: So, Mr. Adam Blackstone, Mr. BBE himself, woo, I've also had the pleasure of working with you on many different clients and running around the world with you. So, what have you brought to the industry that sets you apart from MBs prior to you? And why do you seem to own the industry right now? Uh... <laughs> well, thank you, number <laughs> one.
2: Uh, I definitely don't see it as on the industry, but I would say that I'm blessed to have made my mark with my sound. Mm-hmm. A big part of that, man, is the team. Like, period. Like, that just kind of is what it is. One of my gifts bigger than music is putting the team together. You know what I'm saying? Like as an MD, I'm really only as good as my squad. Every idea that I come up with is not always the best. Every suggestion that I have is not always the best, and it's about me trusting the people around me who know we all have the same common goal, is to make this artist that we're working for, is to make this music that we're producing um, sound great and be great and impact the world. So. You know, I've been blessed in the last, whew, I'm gonna say, 15 years to just continue to build a strong team. Um, so I, I would, that would be my biggest, you know, testament to me, you know, quote unquote, working a lot or having a lot of gigs or whatever. Because at a point around 2009, 2010, 2011. I couldn't be everywhere where I was requested. So I had to start trusting people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it, and earlier it didn't always work out for me because sometimes I was going with friends that I knew were talented, but may not have had the people skills that I have. And sometimes I was going with friends that, you know, may not could make the best business decisions right in the moment. And that's another thing that separates me. Um, from a lot of other mds is that you know the artist trusts me because i make a split second decision that's best for everyone
1: you know what i mean um yeah. well, audibles are, are important i've been with you when you had to make audibles <laughs> in the trenches yeah. and it's been magical i remember one specifically with our illustrious pro tool guy, demi dunson yep. mm-hmm. and uh he made magic when we all held our breath And it happened. Yeah. And
2: and, and, and that's what I mean about trusting the team, because here's the other thing about trusting the team. Number one, I'm going to give that's Demetrius Henry pro tools extraordinaire. I give him all the props. Are you talking about bad boy tour or something else? Bad boy
1: tour. I just didn't want to drop it unless you
2: did it. yeah, no, It's all good. So yeah, we had a situation where we couldn't find the artist that was coming out next and, how I program these songs, they they run in medley form. So it's not like we could stop down. So, you know, Demi was able to make an edit on the fly and take the artist verse out. And we were still able to continue going. Now, here's the thing with that. Did I touch Pro Tools and do that on the fly? No, I didn't. I was able to find what, who I feel is one of the best programmers in the world. And he did it. However... This is, is, well, not just the praise, but here's what I'm saying. I do, I do get the praise and I, and I'm, and I have been one of the musicians and guys to really, really give my team props and post about my team. And if somebody does an arrangement for me, I I make sure the world knows it's not, I don't care about that, but (laughs) with, with every good idea i i get the fault when it's done wrong as well and that's what i feel like people really don't really get because you know even through this social media age which i'm not the best at but it's a false reality we we are of course posting great things we don't always post in that ne- we're not posting negative things so i've had some decision making or some things where i've trusted my programmer or trusted my guitar player or <coughs> trusted my monitor engineer or whatever. And they did not go well. And I get the blame for that. And and as a good MD, as a good leader, I'm never going to di- um, deflect that. That was my decision. I told them to do it. And that's my fault when it goes right or when it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think a lot of artists and crew members and people trust me because I'm gonna always have our back. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, especially when I tell them to do something. You know what I mean? Uh, me and Kyle have worked in a situation where sometimes there's been a pre-recorded vocal and then it bounces back to live for television or whatever, and I've had to make a decision on the fly. Yo, don't don't do this like this. And even though Kyle may disagree. Or he may want to do it his way. I know I'm doing it best for the artist. Now, if the artist doesn't like it, I can't. Or if it if, if, if goes against what Kyle was saying or goes against what I was saying, I still have to take the entire, you know, quote unquote, blame for that. But having a good team in place makes those decisions easy for me because we trust each other.
1: You know what I'm saying? Totally understood. So, like our boy Jordan would say, "There's no iron team, but there's an iron win." <laughs> yeah. But in the same breath, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. With I was about to
2: say, like, but Kraus would have to, you know, I got to be honest and ride with Jerry Kraus on this and say
1: it's the organization, man. It's not you, just you're 100 right. Yes, yes, you're 100 percent right. Whew, that that that's 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 real because you know a lot of times. There are MDs that I've worked with that have made executive decisions, and it could crash and burn. And they'll blame everyone else as opposed to raising their hand and saying, "Yo, know what? Hey, stop, stop, stop! I I told him to do X, Y, Z, and that speaks volumes. Because then you're looking at the guy like, "Yo, you told me to do this. I do that, and we all get cussed out. And you say it's our fault. So it, it you know, accountability is speaks volumes over. I, I work with somebody who pays me a hundred percent I mean not a hundred percent but pays me less than someone else if I know that they their, their their accountability and their their work ethic and their word will have your back all the time because a lot of times you know this this industry is you know everybody's looking out for themselves and unfortunately that self mentality, Leads to people getting fired, unfortunately, and you know that's that's a cold that's a cold pill to swallow. And and
2: that's that's another thing that I I never want because a lot of the times I'm gonna say ninety percent of the times I'm bringing those guys in with me. You know what I'm right. saying? So it's it's not a good look if somebody's being let go under my watch anyway. You know what I'm saying? So that's another reason I'm gonna protect us always. Whether that be a, a a tech, a crew member, a guitar player, or 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 engineer, is because I am telling the artists, I am telling management before we start, this is the best person for the job. So if they make a mistake, which always sometimes it ain't my fault, the mistakes that are made, but I'ma still ride out because you know what I'm saying. Like I I, I need the upper the upper management to know. That this is a once, one,
1: one time occurrence and it won't happen again. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, you know, again, that takes, I tip my hat to you for being the one to absorb all of that energy, good or bad, because someone has to do it. And if it's not the, you know, you are the captain of the ship or captain of the production per se from a musical standpoint. Um, so that, that speaks volumes. So in, and you, creating your picture for whoever artist wants you to um, put this show together, how would you how would you um, rate or compare um, the process of vetting the new the new um, musicians versus how the old musicians would, would come up here and do and rock out with you? Fresh is a drummer coming and just chops all over the place versus a drummer who will come in and give you that solid groove, how would you compare yesterday's musician to today's and the vetting process? That's an interesting question. I just want to clean it up just a little bit because
2: the the, the terminology even of yesterday is a little weird to me because I consider myself, unfortunately, an OG in the game right now. I'm 38 years old. Yeah, but you've also reinvented yourself, so it, it is no a problem. No, for sure, but my favorite drummers are older than me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I don't look at Brian Fraser Moore or I don't look at Chris Johnson as yesterday to me because I think they can go with with any of the quote-unquote new, new cats. And one reason for that is that when artists call me, they're calling me for my sound, they're calling me for my tightness. They're calling me for my sonic accountability. And and the biggest thing that I would say is the difference with, you know, some of the newer guys that I hear now is the Sonics of everything. You know what I'm saying? I see Brian and Chris, you know, those two specifically, and I'm only pointing them two out because I work with them a lot pretty often. But I see them show up to the gig two, three hours in advance just to tune up their drums. You know what I'm saying? Or I I see them invest in themselves and know which tech they want to use to get the proper sound for whatever that gig is. So, you know, sometimes even over the chops, to me, it's about sounding like the gig. You know what I mean? Um, And so I would say that that is probably the biggest difference between... You know hiring somebody that i that that I'm used to working with or hiring a nuke a new cat that for sure can play there's a lot of dudes that can play, but you know how how in tune with the sonic palette of the songs or the artists are you if I call you to do Tim McGraw or Faith Hill or Rascal Flats, you know I can't have it sounding like uh you know, Justin Timberlake or, or I can't have it sounding like Madonna, you know what I mean? And, or, or, or if, you know, with Chris, you know, we do Camila Cabello that, that doesn't sound like Lady Gaga, you know what I mean? It's a different thing. So, you know, I think that, you know, the quote unquote yesterday cats have paid a little more attention to the sonic palette of, 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 of musicianship and that goes with bass that goes with with guitar that goes with keyboard as well it's like you know you know each each song has a different piano lady gaga's piano patch is not what i use for you know if we doing tony braxton you know what i'm saying it's like it's it's a, it's a different thing you know that dark child you know sound piano sound is different than lady gaga sitting at a 10 foot grand you know what right. I mean? So when right. we're programming that, or if I'm programming, you know, Camilla Cabello, you know, and she has a song with an orchestra, you know, that string patch is different than, uh, you know, a, a J-Lo up-tempo song, you know what I mean? That I might do for Super Bowl. So, you know, all of those things really, really matter, and I, I tend to have seen, you know, our cats, you know, the older cats kind of hone in specifically on like sound design a little bit more. That's all I would say. It's less about the plan because them young cats are playing. I'm going to speak for myself. They playing super circles around me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but I, but I, but I do know what I bring as a basis is tone and, 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 and energy and pocket uh, as to where, you know the song is what what needs to be displayed on, especially pop tunes. You know what I'm saying. It's not a lot of room for the chops and stuff like that. So, so
1: do you th- do you think is um for the younger for the younger generation or the newer guys that reading being able to read music is important or just playing by sight? I mean, playing by ear and you know oh. chopping it up to death.
2: Got you. So, I mean, it, it depends on where you're trying to go. I've always been the guy when I started, I wanted to do everything. You know what I'm saying? I moved to Philadelphia in 2000, really thinking I was going to play jazz all my life, whether that I was going to be on tour with, you know, Maynard Ferguson, Big band, or rocking out at the Cotton Club a couple times a week, or, you know, so then that that made me get my reading chops up because I was playing a lot of upright bass and, and sitting in at quote unquote jazz gigs you know, which they were plopping charts in front of us. And then I turned into a theater guy, which I still love theater, like heavy. And I was paying my bills for a long time while I was in school. I was in pit bands for many, many off-Broadway type shows. So I had to know how to read well for that um, because there was no... um, you know no rehearsals or or that the director or would call out bar numbers or we would change keys and they would we would need to know what bar and change meter and stuff like that so you know for me reading music was a big part of my my overall musicianship cuz i wanted to be able to do everything gotcha. um, fast forward to my MDing my first like awards show uh, I brought that reading mentality into my first award show because it was so much music. Uh, we were doing 2930 bumpers you know which are 90 seconds each so it for me instead of trying to memorize all of that I was like hey we're gonna I'm gonna write it down I'm gonna chart it I'm gonna score it out so we're all on the same page at all times and I continue to do that for my award show still I, 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 I have a copyist. Um, that writes my charts, and I'll do the arrangement, send it to them, and that 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 lets me be able to internalize what's on the what's on the paper, what's on the ink, as we say.
1: Hey Adam, I had a question, man. With all that you do, and all the artists that you work with, and people coming to you specifically for your sound, how, how do you go about keeping it fresh? How do you go about you know basically creating new ideas without recycling old ideas? What's your process?
2: My process for that is a couple different things. One of the one of the processes is that let the music tell you what it needs. Just don't do something, a line or a lick or a swell or a chop or, you know, a, a, a special, as we call it. Just don't do it just because. Some songs don't call for a lot. You know what I mean? And... and so as far as the recycling is concerned, I, I never really ran into that problem because to me, each song s- speaks a different language. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so you. I'm not regurgitating old stuff because, you know, this song, the lyric is saying something different. The, the The tone is saying something different. The instrumentation in the song is saying something different than maybe what I have done a week ago. You know what I mean? On another song. Oh. So that's the main thing for me, man, is really let the lyric, really let the music speak to you as far as what it deserves and what it needs. The other thing is, um, like I said, building a team, you know, some, some people to me specialize in different things. So if I'm doing a, a a hip hop tune, uh, that might be different than who I asked to score strings on my, on my, on my country tune, you know what I mean? So you know it's also knowing your personnel and knowing your team and who had who has the strengths and weaknesses of certain genres of music so that to me always keeps it
1: fresh as well I like that with so team. with so many different genres of music that you work with um how do you sleep because i know your mind is about to burst with information on a regular so How do you just decompress at all so that when you walk into any specific gig, you can approach it from from a new perspective?
2: I must be honest and say, you know, I didn't sleep a lot um, in my 20s. I didn't sleep well, I should say. And it wasn't until my wife and I were ready to settle down and have a child that I realized how much sleep, how sleep how much sleep was important. Um, you know, we were married for a, a, a long while in the standards of marriage before we were able to have a baby. And I realized that, you know, uh, doing my own research and going to some doctors for myself, you know, the the sun and the moon tell your body when to shut down and, and, and basically rejuvenate itself. So if I'm locked in the studio all night, and Kyle, as you know, we might be in rehearsal till three, four in the morning. Like I, I was doing that for a span, just to be honest with you, from like 05 to 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just really going, 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 eating terribly. I had got up to a very, very you know, big weight. I was like 356 pounds. And I was just going because I was eating dinner at 1 a.m., you know what I mean? It was just it was just a completely bad lifestyle uh, health wise for me and sleep or lack thereof played an important role in that. So I ended up going to a um, holistic doctor uh, who, who, who told me and showed me how low my melatonin levels were, uh-huh. um, which is the natural ingredient that your body makes to kind of just shut itself down and and decompress the brain and let the brain rest. So I, so ever since 2015, man, I've been on a, a melatonin supplement all natural, and it really helps me. I know it takes me an hour to wind down, so I pop that thing in, and, and I've been able to sleep. And, 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 you know, it really, for the next day, uh, helps me to, to focus and, and say, I know I have these amount of hours to work. Uh, as, I, as I've gotten older, I've worked better uh, during the day and not yeah. just all night how I used to go in my 20s, just all night or whatever and get two hours of sleep and come back and do the same thing again. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I've I really tried to be in tune uh, with my body as far as sleep is concerned because it, it plays such an important role on your brain, um, on your brain, and, and, and keeps and it keeps me creative. You know what I'm saying? Like having good rest.
0: Hey, Adam, going back to uh, what you were saying before about having a great team, I, I would imagine that factors into your ability to get some rest as well. And uh, I remember for me, I had a moment just some years ago where I was sitting in the office of an agent named Brent Smith. You guys probably know him, uh, just for our viewers who don't. Kendrick, Drake, Childish Gambino, um on and on and on and uh tyler the creator represents a lot of great acts and and i was talking to him about my growing business putting tours together as a tour director and you know handling labels and management company rosters and what have you Uh and he basically said to me you know you just need to figure out a way to clone yourself (laughs) and 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 for me i mean obviously cloning myself is uh you know not something I'd necessarily be confident or comfortable with or want to unleash on the world. Um, But it it really made me think that in terms of building my team and putting tours together that I could comfortably put out there and know that I trust the guys around me and that everybody's doing what they got to do. And when I say guys, I mean definitely women included, um, men and women for sure. Um, But, Tell us a little bit about your team building process, about how you have built your team, how, how other people that are coming up in the industry could potentially, you know, think about the team that they want to surround themselves with and as they want to build their own brand and their own business, you know, could think about in terms of what, you, what, what you've done to, to put that team around you.
2: Um, it's a lot of trial and error, man. It's a lot of trial and error. It's also a lot of going with your gut. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's, and, and it's a lot of character, um, building as well. Uh, first and foremost, I would, I would, I would like to say that everybody on my team is just good character people. And one of the main reasons for that is because when I am not available to be there, I need to know that uh, they are operating in a space and I need them to know that they're representing me. You know what I'm saying? So so anything you say, do, if I was there, let's continue to do it if I'm not there. You know what I mean? Um, So I would rather work with a less talented person, as Kyle said it before, and know that for me that their character is strong than to work with, you know, maybe a more talented person and have to worry about their business acumen or if they're going to cut somebody out or, you know, caught doing drugs or something like that. Like I, I, that's not what I stand for. That's not what my company stands for either. So, um, character of a person matters to me. I would almost say a little more than the musicianship at that point with character, with, with, with team building. Um, the other thing that I would say for me is the workflow. I, Christine and Kyle could attest, like, we are thrown into some positions to work fast, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know how much tour name dropping we're able to do on here, but you know, when we get called for things like title or get called for things, you know via rock nation or something like that it happens so fast that they're like it's monday we got a we got a festival to do on sunday you know what i mean so it's like the the, work, the workflow has to just happen and there's only to me a certain number of guys that can can even get that together you know what i mean and and that is a big part of team building as well as like you know how fast do you work? How well and efficient do you work? Um, being thrown into a a high pressure high pressure situation, and so if we can pull that off as a team, a high pressure situation, then preparing three months for a tour, that's e- they, it becomes easy for us. You know what I mean? Like when we have time and space and and energy to do that. Um, so um, I think efficiency character, then efficiency, and then also just knowing your craft. Um, I don't always have the time to, for instance, going to a background vocalist rehearsal, but I will make someone that I have worked with a lot be in charge of that background rehearsal. And because I trust them and because they know how I work, I don't really worry too much about you know, the process of them learning lyrics and stuff like that. Now, if I come in there and I want to change a harmony or something like that, and I, I know they'll be able to adapt fast, but I'm not able to be everywhere, like you said, Matt, at all times, especially on set. If I have to go do a lighting check with the lights or I have to go do a time code check with with, with, with the programmer, you know, I may need my 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 keyboard player to kind of run band rehearsal, and I have to trust that they're when I come back, they have been efficient. You know what I mean? Um So it, it's the 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 third thing I would say is about trust in your craft. Me trusting that you know your craft well.
1: So at the end of the day, it's about trust and making sure that they keep the BBE brand solid. That's, that's, that's important. Your brand is is who you are. Your brand is what keeps you working in this day and age. Yeah. Um, I think
2: it's the, you know, the, 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 the the integrity as well, because, you know, when we're all working together, we want to see each other win. It's no, you know, I definitely would say like, you know, when we're up there as a band, I I may get the credit, but everybody shines, you know what I mean? So it's like, we want to make sure everybody, there's no weak, no weak links in any in any in any of the uh in any of the team
0: you know I, I just want to point out also that you're not even bringing up musicianship it's like musicianship is taken for granted it's these other attributes that you're looking for when, yeah. when you are talking about building your team when you're talking about hiring a band I think that's an important thing that young people should be mindful of that just because you can play like Cool. Great. I'm glad you can play. That's for granted. Like you have to be able to play in order to put yourself in, in line to get a, a, a real, a great job, for but sure. it's all these other character attributes that, uh, that really get your attention.
2: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I think social media has done, um, people a disservice a little bit because, Uh, everybody can play, you know what I mean? So it's the other intangibles, like, we're on stage 90 minutes, you know? Like, what are you doing for the other 22 hours that's going to let me allow you to get on my tour bus and
1: roll out with me for six months? You know what I'm saying? Totally, completely understood, because at the end of the day, that's a tour family, you know? We in our own proximity, we don't get to go home, and the bus is our home. So my pet peeve is cats jumping on the bus and not locking it. Like when you yeah. go home do you lock do you not lock your front door get on yeah. the bus because as soon as we get robbed when we're in one of these cities because the bus is on the park on the street everybody's gonna be looking crazy and oh, I, i've had many of battles with cats on the bus about just locking the bus. that's a simple that's a simple exercise you get on the bus you close behind you and you lock it and you keep it pushing or you get off yeah. the bus i
2: think i, I think, think I learned go. that I think I learned how important that was from you as well, too Kyle, because um you know, we are a family out there, man. So, you know, of course, you know, as men, sometimes we like we got it we got it on our own, but it wasn't until, you know, an earlier tour of mine where I we rode all together. It was a smaller tour, but we had some young ladies on the bus and I I you know, they were like my sister. So, it's like I don't want to leave them unprotected, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, and then you know, fast forward some years, you make a little bit of money, you wanna buy a pair of sneaks on the road. I'm like, I don't want my shoes taken that I spent right. this yeah. money on or fast forward and Christine slides you a slides you a bottle, you like nah, don't be coming get my bottle, Doc <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Can't be stealing the douce. Don't be stealing. Don't be stealing
1: Brown. So how would you feel um since I mean out of we come, since we Come on the conclusion of our coronication per se, in theory, because um, everybody. I, I wants hope to... so. <laughs> right. What would you say the state of music is right now? Um, when it comes back, is it going to be so hard hitting? Are there going to be a bunch of records coming out talking about some corona mess? Or besides next September, besides next December, when you have a bunch of kids running around here from the coronation, what do you think the state of music is right now?
2: Man, I, I have to be honest and say that I don't think that the changes are are for the better for us. I think it's just mm. going to be way different. Um, it's going to be a way different scene. It's going to be a way different vibe, man. Um, we've, as a culture, as a community of entertainment, um, we've learned what we can live with and what we can live without. And in a in, in, in a in a bad way <laughs> I feel like record labels and artists have learned what they need and what they don't need. Not not necessarily what they want, but I'm saying what you need. You know what I mean? And, you know, I've been doing a lot of these pre recorded tracks. You know, I've been doing some shows where, you know, we are virtually taping and you know i'm 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 mixing a lot of you know my band stuff where it's like you know we might have normally gone and done a concert but you know everybody's home so then it takes or it it doesn't need as many people and then budgets are going down because you know it's it's still considered promotional but it's like a um it's a it's a it's a case by case scenario you know, there's no touring happening. I've had, you know, off the top of my head, three tours be canceled or postponed with no, you know, with no deciding return day. Um, so I, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be very interesting moving forward to see how these artists. Uh, you know, make live music, how, how much they make it a necessity. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. There's some top tier people out there that won't do anything without a band, but you know, as the, as Matt put it, the, the working musician, the middle class, you know, we, we survive off of, you know, the gig, the gig, the the day-to-day gigs, you know? So, um, you know, how many of those people, how many of the, the the you know, middle grade R&B artists now, their labels won't give them band support and stuff like that, you know? How, how different is Coachella going to look on stage, you know, with just some dancers or maybe nobody or maybe one band member or something like that? Because 2020, the artist has, has gotten used to that, you know? Right, right. Um,
0: well, Adam... I I just want to jump in real quick and I apologize. Apologize. I thought you were, you were wrapping that statement, but, uh, I want to play devil's advocate for a second here. And I want to, I want to say that, you know, two years from now, people are going to be desperate for full scale next level productions that everybody's going to realize that it might cost a little more, but, the industry will find new and better ways to monetize and come out of this. Cause, cause I want to put a positive spin on, on what's going on here. And, and I hear everything you're saying, and I know that it's true, but as concert professionals, of course, we want to find the silver lining in all this. We want to figure out how we can come out of this, you know, looking better, feeling better, doing better. Um, you know, so, so, Imagine a world where the, the we've found a virus or a, a vaccine. Excuse me, we've certainly found the virus. Um, we're two years down the road from right now. People are vaccinated. We are mindful that changes need to be made, but other than the changes like potentially wearing masks. Let's say we're over distancing. We found a way that people can come together again. You know, maybe for Kyle's sake, everybody has learned how to wash their hands. That's been kind of a central (laughs) here for us for the first couple of weeks. And, um, you know, looking at this as a positive again, what can we do to make this industry a better place from a musician's perspective, from a music director's perspective, you know what? What's something that we can do that makes this the touring world a better place for everybody? Hmm.
2: I, I don't have the answer to that. That's a very good question. I I don't I don't know. Um. You mean as a safety precaution or as a musical pro? Like
0: as I mean. As an advancement in touring, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. It's a bit of a loaded question. We can bring yeah. you back on the show another time if you want to talk about it then. But I'm just thinking in terms of advancing the industry. See, I've taken the the opinion that what's happening now is kind of a reset button that the concert touring industry could use to our advantage because we are a young industry. People have been touring for... 50, 60 years ever, total, going back to the beginning of the concert, you know, industry, the, the music world. I'm not talking jazz musicians from the 20s, 30s, and we've advanced out of that. Um, I'm talking about like next level. How do we make this coronation, as Kyle says, you know, an opportunity to step up our game and come out better, stronger, touring? To use your word more efficiently, and yeah. you know, looking at ways to do things better.
2: You know, man, I—it's I, a—it's a loaded question. It really is, because as I transition, probably in the next five to ten years, to a um, to a more uh, production management type of role. You know, my answer in that when that headspace would be how can we tour for less money and how many bodies do we really need for people to enjoy themselves? Um, And I I know that sounds crazy coming from me, but I'm just answering the truth to say, you know, when I want to go see, you know, somebody like a Kanye, it's like, you know, I I was the guy in the pit band of going to dark tour. Like before we went and did it, like, this is never going to work. Like, people want to see the band, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it was probably, that was 06, 07, probably one of the most successful tours I've ever done. Hence, he goes out and, you know, I, I seen Christine out on uh, Watch the Throne and they had three people in their band and, you know, saw Kanye after that with nobody in his band and, and you know, playback. So, you know, one of the things I think is going to get weirder for the musician is that, you know, labels and artists are going to see what they really need to survive to just do a good show for people. Now, coming from the musician standpoint, total, total 180, um, I want to say we have to make ourselves more valuable. We have to learn a new skill. We have to learn a new sound. We have to learn other jobs to then go out on the road and say, OK, not only do I play electric blades, I play, I play keys as well. Not only am I front of house, but I can do monitors as well. Not only am I the programmer on Pro Tools, but I can do Ableton as well. Not only do I sing background, I can dance as well. You know what I'm saying? So I think those are the things that are going to have us survive as the working class and be more efficient is that our skill set ends up uh,
1: being so valuable that the artists need us. So we have to diversify as the working class,
2: you know, as front of house. Yeah, we have to diversify. I think, you know, me and Kyle specifically and, and, you know, Chris, I'm sure as well. And Matt, it's like, you know, there's been some gigs, even financially, where it's like, yo, I I need you to put a stage plot together, but I also need you to do front of house. You know what I'm saying? Right. for me, there's been situations where it's like, "Yo, I want to take a two-piece band or or three-piece band, but I want it to sound like full orchestra." So, what what artist-wise, they ask me, "What do I need to do?" You know how 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 can I get you in the studio? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so we we have to diversify and you know learn new skills and continue to build our build in our craft,
1: uh, new new things, man. For real. So post coronation again. Do you think salaries are going to go down because nobody, everybody's getting at home? Absolutely. So the the salaries we were once making, you think that was a thing in the past, you think it ever come back to those rates or it just it was a wrap? Yes, I think salaries are going to come down. The main reason why I think
2: salaries are going to come down is not going to be anything to do with, are you worth what you're worth? I think that this coronation, nobody has made any money. You know what I'm saying? So, so you know, if we're going to be honest, I have a small business that I run, but like I can't imagine having like a, a Def Jam or a, or a William Morris or <clears throat> anything like that, as to where you know you use bigger tours as capital to fund other things. Right. And so, with nobody making any money right now, um, how can they do that? If we're, I just have to be honest and say, how can you know? The 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 Justins or the Rihannas you know, work for the 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 uh, lesser known, you know, RCA or Def Jam artists. You know, nobody's making any money. So, um, and I'm not trying to count the artist funds because they are well off, like for sure. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, some of the salaries that we request and that they agree to are because they know they're going to make it back. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's no guarantee of that at this, at this present time.
0: Now, let me throw a, a slightly different perspective out there, which aligns with what you're saying for the most part, Adam. But again, maybe this is just a positive spin, but I think that the people that are at the top will get paid. And I think that what you're saying about diversification, about versatility, I think that's what everyone should aspire to. I think that the more skills you have, the more valuable you'll be, the more you can get paid. And maybe it's the people that aren't using this time to cultivate their skills that really should think about doing that because that is how they're going to get their job and how they are going to have any chance of earning their rate because people that they were sitting next to on the last tour are hustling like they're broke right now. And some of them are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was reading an article from Gabrielle Union, who is, as we know, is married to Dwayne Wade. And she was just saying like, You know, don't get it twisted that they're stars, but a lot of the actors in SAG, for instance, are one check away from not having anything because that's how they build. That's how they even, you know, I think that's how we all, you know, uh, financially uh, plan, you know, whether that be our mortgage might be, you know, a tenth of what theirs is. But if you know you're going to make this amount, that's how you know you can afford it. Um, so I kind of equated that as well with the music, with the music community and entertainment field. It's like, you know, yes, these artists are very well off. Like I said, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make excuses for them. But if they personally feel that they're one check away, they're going to be trying to skimp somewhere, and that, and and where would that be? Is probably with us.
0: There it is. So, Adam. You've been great. Before we wrap, we have a few standard questions that we like to ask. And uh, you've already addressed a couple of these, so you can feel free to decline or pass uh, over. Right. But do you have a favorite tour or moment that you could tell us about?
2: <laughs> Woo. Yeah, I have a lot, man. My first show ever... Uh, big Show was Jay Z fade to black 2003 at Madison Square Garden, and that that kind of set my life on a different, whole different trajectory. I met a young Kanye West. I met a young Beyonce. Uh, uh, I was supposed to be Jay Z Jay Z's farewell. <laughs> I'm using air quotes, Christine. Her his farewell <laughs> concert. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that for sure lives in uh, in in, the, in my brain. I would also have to say, uh, I, I don't I don't know, man, I don't know how, how much you want me to go into detail, but it's it's, it's it's been a lot of different things. As I look back at it, doing Drake's promo tour in 2011, 2010, and theaters uh, was was really dope for me. I was coming off of Kanye, Glow in the Dark, and we doing these arenas, and Coming off of Janet Jackson doing arenas, and then I went to Drake, who I I had known in my heart of hearts was was the next next big thing, but he was still just starting out. And man, we was on the road overseas and in the states uh, with this with this new kid named J Cole opening for us, uh, doing doing theaters, and that was one of the a very very dope experience for me as well because I got to. Um, see how he works and how he interacts intimately with the fans and how his music speaks um, to to these people um you know fast forward I grew up a bad boy fan you know in my life I never ever thought I would I, I would play and dance on stage with Puff Daddy. So the Bad Boy Reunion Tour, for sure, is a, is a big deal in my life. Um, Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z doing a co-headline tour. Probably the two biggest, you know, influential artists in their genres at the time. You know, hip-hop and then pop. That was huge for me. And then we did it in stadiums. And then I followed that up with doing Rihanna and Eminem very same concept, similar concept and, you know, in stadiums. And that was great. So I've, I've had a lot of amazing moments, even going back to, you know, Jill Scott's 2010, 2009, her first arena tour, you know, we had done every little club and little venue, then moved to house of blues then moved to theaters. And I remember being a part of her first arena tour. And that was, that was huge for soul music and huge for my, for my city. You know what I mean? Having Philadelphia be on the map on on a scale like that um, hadn't happened in a long time. So, you know, I, all each, each of those moments and many, many more have, you know, impacted me, you know, being on stage with Dr. Dre at Coachella, me not being a West coast guy, but just being a music fan uh, and me seeing how that impact the world to have um, him perform his music live. And I was able to, you know, be his musical director and play bass on that and met a young Kendrick. And, you know, that's when we first brought Kendrick out and stuff like that. It's been so many moments, man. So many moments. Um, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but they all have a special place in my heart.
0: No, I love it. And I'm sure our listeners love it too. So I suppose with that, I mean, is there any additional wisdom and you've imparted so much, but any additional wisdom you'd like to leave with our listeners for today?
2: Uh, I think that I would just like to tell the young guys, man, like, you know, if you believe in it, stay with it. Don't let anybody, you know, steer, steer you away from your passion, from what you believe in. Um, um, you know, I would consider myself an old school guy as far as like I always used to just want to have a plan for the, whether it be the release of music, the the, the rehearsal schedule, uh, the tour schedule, whatever that may be. But, you know, times are changing and, you know, life is short. And so I, I really feel like, you know, if you have a product that you believe in and and, you know, you have to go hard on it, man, invest in yourself you know, invest in your gear, invest in relationships, um, you know, nag the people who you think can change your life. That's probably something that I would tell my 18-year-old self, my 38-year-old self would tell my 18-year-old self is like, nag the people who you feel like can change your life because them telling you no does nothing. It leaves you in the same place, but one yes can change your life
0: so funny you say that. I totally agree. I, I've always said there's a fine line between persistence and stalking. And that yes. gray area, that's where you got to live your life if you want to truly succeed. To,
2: especially when, you, when you're prepared. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying nag somebody and, and your product or your skill set is, is, is not good. I'm saying when, if you believe you should be there and you've prepared and you, you're, you're put on this earth, to do what God has called you to do. It's, it's okay with being, per, it's okay to be persistent.
0: There it is. So finally, any shout outs, parting shots, anything you'd like to say? Man,
2: I just want to thank you, Matt, Christine, Kyle, Chris. Um, you know, you guys have been power players in the industry for a while, so I'm honored to be on here. Uh, I want to thank my wife, Kaisha Blackstone for, uh, running our company, Basic Black Entertainment, BBE, Uh, with me for this long now we're going on 10 years um in the company uh we have established ourselves as one of the foremost music staffing companies uh and in in our game so that that's a blessing and she keeps she allows me to just stay creative and team build while she handles the other quote-unquote dirty work (laughs) so I, i appreciate that and uh, yeah, man, I, I think that, you know, praying for everybody's safety and well-being and hopefully that we come out of this, you know, like I said, with another skill set and with something else to to add um, to why we are valuable to these artists, to these tours, to these companies.
0: Love that. And Adam, real quick, on social media, where can people find you?
2: Yeah, no problem. You can follow me on Twitter and instagram at adam blackstone and then you can follow my company basic black entertainment at basic black ent uh that has a lot of uh various things that we are doing across the world and uh just excited just excited
0: Well, Adam Blackstone, thank you again for being with us today. You've been inspiring. You uh, have had an amazing career and you're only in your 30s. Can't wait to see what you do next. Hope to be a part of it in some small way. We all do. Uh, We would love to have you back here anytime. So on behalf of my co-hosts, my name is Matthew Walt. This is Hustle Like You Broke. Until the next time, we will keep hustling. Find us online at HLUB Podcast on Instagram. Hit us up on email if you want to send us any questions. Info at hustleikeyoubroke.com. Questions for us, questions for Adam that we can ask him after the fact. We look forward to hearing from you. We appreciate everybody. Thank you and good night.